you're listening to the Transform Your Nutrition Podcast with your hosts, Rebecca Heald and Jeff Ash. Our purpose is to help individuals and families transform their relationships with food and develop healthy bodies, minds, and attitudes, all without restriction, guilt, or shame. There we are live. Thank you very much, Jeff and Mike, for joining me today. Glad to be here as always. My pleasure. <laughs> Even though it's 6 a.m. here in, uh, I know, in the U.S. Bless you. <laughs> well, you've been up a while. You, you, you know, you, you were messaging me about an hour ago. So you've been yeah. up right and early this Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, my dog decided to, I don't know what, if he thought that, oh, okay, I, he, he usually wakes me up at 6. He's just on the schedule. And I, for some reason, he woke me up about 5 till 5 this morning. And I think maybe he thought that, I, I guess maybe he heard us uh, chatting about, going live this morning early i don't know <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't be late don't really be smart late. dog i guess yeah yeah definitely so yes yeah, thank you jeff and mike for joining me today so normally jeff and i do always go live um we answer people's questions and we normally have a topic a nutrition or fitness related topic that we do discuss on a monday but today um we've got mike jones from better happy who has also um agreed to join with us because jeff and i are going to try and um, get some more people involved on these lives as always though i do just want to say that if anybody is watching first of all please say hello and if you have any nutritional fitness um, work, wellness at work, at workplace, I can't get my words out, <laughs> questions to ask, then please do just comment and we will do our very, very best to answer those for you. But before we do start, I just want to say happy Monday to anybody who is watching. Please make sure you say hello. If you are watching the replay, then please do just type hashtag replay and also post your questions because we will try and answer those afterwards if you're not able to watch us live. So you're such a good host. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um not sure I'm uh yeah not very not very polished but that's the way it goes. So um, yeah exactly. So thank you very much again for both for joining us. How are you both today apart from Jeff up nice, bright and early. Hopefully you did get enough sleep though, Jeff, even if you were up earlier than expected. Uh, enough. I can take a nap this afternoon. No big deal. <laughs> oh, if only, if only. Yeah. I'm doing my workshop this evening. If anybody, oh yeah, shameless plug. If anybody watching wants to hop on to my workshop this evening, I'm going to be telling you exactly how you can get your energy and your motivation back for your business. So it's three-part series, and the first one is tonight at 8 p.m. So if anybody's interested, drop me a message, or I'll also put the link in the comments, just a little shameless plug there. But, um, yeah, just reminding me that I'm not going to have a chance to nap this afternoon. <laughs> How about you, Mike? How are you today? I'm wonderful, thank you. The sun's out, which makes me very happy. I'm very um, influenced by how bright the sun is. Obviously, I'm in the UK with you, so it's a slightly more reasonable time than it is for you and I than it is for Jeff. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I had a nice weekend gardening, so I'm feeling feeling refreshed today yeah a lot of people have been telling me that they've been um, gardening this weekend been getting lots of things planted and stuff which is amazing I feel like I should be doing it with the kids but um, I don't have very green fingers we managed we're, all to... more, we're, we're more routine than we think we are aren't we like everybody the same weekend yeah I went and did my plants and did the garden well me too <laughs> I didn't <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. did you do any gardening Jeff no, we we're we're currently living in an apartment, and so yeah, no garden, no garden here. Uh, 
You got some flowers behind you, Jeff. Oh yeah, that is actually uh, a fake. There's actually an eight by ten foot green screen behind me. So my background, yeah, (laughs) Uh, my background can change out. (laughs) We'll have a flowery garden next time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So what have you been planting, Mike? Uh, we had um, so we've got a shared drive at the front of the house, and and a third, well, about a small portion like that, is 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 all planted from the people that used to live here. It's garden, uh, so it's got lavender in it, rose bushes, um, oh lovely, other, other flowers that I'm not aware of the names of, um, and it was it was a bit overgrown, so I had a few hours a few hours of a uh, raking oh, and getting the, getting the cuts on your hands and pulling the things out and trying to neaten it all up so to be fair I do need to try and do I mean I did I, we, I put my house on the market at the weekend and they came and took the photos <laughs> I really wish really wish I'd maybe done a little bit of gardening before they did that but anyway there we go <laughs> so um Okay, no, that's wonderful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was lovely weather here. It was lovely weather here, wasn't it? This weekend we went. We oh, went beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. We went, we're, we're, the UK when the weather's sunny is a, such a beautiful country. I mean, it's a beautiful country all the time, but when the weather comes out, it's a wonderful place to live. Yes, it is. It is. We went to a wildlife park actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw those um, pictures. It looked it looked like a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was. Um, but now, now the kids are trying, trying to get me to up my game. You know, it's Yorkshire Wildlife Park next, London Zoo after that. Yeah. <laughs> Kenya. It's a great behaviour management tool, though. You'll be on safari in Kenya next year. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, thank you again. Um, and if anybody's watching, please do say hello. We've got Mike here from Better Happy and Jeff who is my usual partner on a Monday for these live Q&As. But today we're going to be talking about happiness in the workplace. And actually, Mike, do you just want to introduce yourself so that people know who you are, where you come from, what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so my name's Mike Jones. I I live in the UK, 34, um, and I own a company called Better Happy. So similar to Rebecca, but we focus on health and engagement in the workplace for employees. So we help businesses improve their performance by prioritizing happiness for employees so you guys have quite a heavy focus i think on on the leaders of the business the executives we try and amalgamate that into the filter it through to the employees as well so for businesses with growing teams uh, my history is i was my, my professional career started in the military i was army intelligence uh, and a pt so i've always had an interest in health then i um left the army quite unhappy for, for a variety of reasons did a couple of tours of afghanistan um, came out of that not not feeling very not feeling very happy. Uh, I was in my mid twenties, and I kind of had this weird epiphany that I don't actually know what I need to do to be happier. Um, you know, I've had the job, I've had the career, I'm quite healthy, I look after myself, and I was like, I don't actually know what to do, which was a which is a really strange kind of feeling to have. And I also had no career because I'd left my career in my mid twenties, the first recession, um, well, our first recession, and uh, so yeah, then I went and did a bit of a cliche kind of soul soul searching experience put my backpack on and just went traveling for three years uh, pulled towards buddhism lived on monasteries in nepal and thailand and started to learn about philosophy and spirituality and live with different cultures which started to really open my eyes to you know some of the errors we have in our ways in the western world um and yeah so that really helped me start to like understand life a little bit more uh, and then came back in 2016 decided that my focus in life was to help other people which I think we all want to do in our own Mm -hmm. unique way 
but I had a big focus on health. Um, so I, I opened my first business in 2017, which was a, a functional fitness training facility. Um, so a, a gym, essentially. And then ran that for five years, turned that into a six-figure business, which was great. Had employees, but got very burnt out. I'd have been your ideal client currently. Um, <laughs> got very got very burnt out and neglected myself in the pursuit of my um, very powerful goals. I was very driven by, but yeah, neglected myself quite a lot. Got burnt out, got tired. Um, COVID came along and I decided that at the time, I didn't really want to go through it all again and start the business again. Um, so I sold the business on and started focusing more on Better Happy. Um, which we've been doing with my, I've been doing with my partner since 2018 because he he does team building events. So we um, started helping businesses with movement workshops, and we moved to nutrition, and then we moved to the whole picture engagement and well-being. So we do that now, and we work with lots of different little businesses and bigger businesses to improve health and engagement, which is happiness. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank you. What an amazing journey. Yeah, um, and I guess have have things been. Obviously, with everything that's going on with the pandemic and, and everything, do you find that that's kind of driven business for you? Yeah, I think it's changed the landscape, which I guess everybody would say. Um, I actually think I think it's had a big impact on people's well-being. I think everybody yeah. knows that. Um, but I think there's a lot of positives, which I don't think enough people talk about. Um, a lot of people blame the well-being problems on the pandemic. but if we rewind a year and a half, well-being was an issue before the pandemic. You know, nutrition was an issue. Sleep was an issue. We had a big problem with with well-being and with engagement, actually. So people actually wanting to be in their jobs. Yeah. Um, and I think the pandemic's really driven awareness around mental health um, because mm-hmm. actually what a lot of people would have said they wanted, and obviously this is a broad brush, is to have more time at home, um, more, you know, more remote working or more, or more flexible working. And then we've kind of all, We've all got. I saw a really funny post actually. Somebody said, I will, I've, "All I've ever said is if I just had a week off work, I could sort my house out." And then they're like, one year later, after a global pandemic, I know that wasn't the issue. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have a point then. No, no, it's it is just such an important and a powerful point as well that because you know the amount of times that we have clients coming to us and you know, weight loss will be the focus or, you know, X, Y, Z will be the focus. But when you dig deep beneath the service, and this is exactly, you know, one of the first tasks I'm going to do in my workshop um, tonight with the participants is to actually get underneath all of that and find out what is going on. Because often what we're bubbling about, playing with on the surface is masking so much more that's going on underneath. And if only... You know, if only I had the time to do this, I would achieve X, Y, Z. If only I could lose X amount of weight, I would be able to do X, Y, Z. If only, but as you know, Mike, you know, happiness is about now, isn't it? It's not about what you're going to be able to achieve in the future. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a challenge for people because you, you need, you, I think you need goals to be happy ultimately. Um, You know, you've got the Buddha, which is the the living epitome of mindfulness and being in the present moment. But the reason that he became the master that he did was because he had the goal of enlightenment, which is bigger than most of us. But that's yeah. the reason that he did his mindfulness, that he meditated for so long and that he that he lived as an ascetic because his big goal was was nirvana to escape the, the suffering of life, which is a little bit sounds a little bit negative. But um yeah, I think we all need goals and things to drive us. And I and, and I've had periods in my life and work with groups of people that don't have a lot of goals because they've not been brought up 
with a lot of confidence or, 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 or encouragement, you know, and that's a bad thing to have no direction. Um, but then exactly as Rebecca just said, we also need to live in the present moment and realize that there's no point in focusing on these things if we're not enjoying them now. So it's a bit of a balance. And, and I think nutrition's a big one because people will nine, nine times out of 10, the reason will be to lose weight when people talk about their nutrition. Um, but really, you know, if you focus on just what that weight is nine times out of 10 again, okay, you get to that, you get to that weight and you didn't enjoy the process because you were so fixated on what you wanted to weigh. And then you get there and you're not happy anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's a balance, you know, the goal is important, you know, and it's, we work, um, we do some great work, which I'm very proud of with a charity called changes uh, in the UK and they help people go through um, recovery from addiction. Now, straight away, you would assume that's, as we would, you would assume that's people off the streets, homeless people, people that are you know, prolific drug users. Now, there there are some homeless people there, but there's also lots of completely what you would call normal people from professional backgrounds with families that are also entrenched in addiction. So we do some wonderful work with them with a bit happy program. And, and they will often say, I want to get in great shape. I'll, I want to put weight on because a lot of them are using. So they need they, they feel they need to put weight on or um, they, they want to lose weight. And then I always ask, well, why? What's yeah. the reasoning behind that? And when you dig down into it, there's actually no desire for them to put weight on at all. They just want to view themselves as normal. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you don't dig down into the why and they're like, well, I want to put some weight on because I feel I'm a bit skinny and that makes me look like I'm a user. But actually, they're quite skinny anyway. That's their frame. You know, they've got that that very naturally trim frame. So you, when you dig down into the why, you're like, well, why do you need to put weight on? And you dig down into it a little bit, you get, you know, three whys deep and you find out, well, actually, I just want to have more energy. I want to feel normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to put weight on. It needs to create a healthy relationship with nutrition. So without yeah. the why, I think people get things so wrong and they don't enjoy the journey. Totally, which is exactly why that's one of the first things I'm going to be doing tonight. But I think yeah. um, as well, I mean, you mentioned about goals and having goals is important, absolutely. But I think it's about then kind of focusing on on the here and now as well, isn't it? And, and those Because if we focus too much on because at the end of the day you know I think we always need to bear in mind as well that we can have a goal but things change yeah okay and when we become I was talking to somebody recently as well and they were talking about how sometimes when we're so fixated on a fixed goal you know we that's what ends up you know sometimes leading to us losing our way okay because we need to understand that often it's a journey and it's a pathway and, and and things will change and we need to have that kind of more flexible mindset towards it but this is what dieting erodes yeah, it erodes that ability to have that flexible mindset because it, yep. it's very black and white. And it's like you have to go achieve your goal with, you know, um, to, to the detriment of everything else. But anyway, my, my point here was that, yes, it's important to have a goal. But I think what often people overlook, and this is linked to this to understanding your why, is what our true values and beliefs are. Because if mm-hmm. we set a goal that doesn't align with our true values and beliefs as well, then again, we're going to get lost. And people are often skirting around that. People are thinking that their goal has to be, um, you know, something that means that they can be accepted in society or something that means that they can achieve X, Y, Z, when you need to dig deep and really understand. Because, you know, nine times out of 10 clients that come to me, you know, they are not as, what's the best way of putting this without it sounding, you know, because let's be honest, if we're focusing constantly on our appearance and our weight loss, that's quite, and and our weight, it is quite shallow, isn't it? But like you said, you know, nine times out of 10, there are some people that are are completely driven by appearance and that is all that matters. But for most of us, actually, we want to have meaningful relationships. We want to have, we want to be better parents. We want to be better leaders. We want to be um, better partners. 
And um, often if you dig down into the why of the appearance, you'll find that that's the why because we want to attract the right people. We want to we want to be known better. So it normally does come back to that. It, it, it does. It does. It does. It absolutely does. And it comes down to, you know, obviously that being able to accept ourselves for who we are right now as well gives us the confidence maybe to be able to look beyond that. Um, Would you agree with any of that, Jeff, or is there anything? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, those are those are such important points. And and, and I think it sounds like all of us, we we address those things with with people that we're working with or or interacting with and um, really trying to it's not that trying to lose weight is bad. It's that when that's your when that's where your mind is fixed, then you tend to miss out on on so much more that's involved in that process. Because, you know, if you think, okay, well, I, I want to attract the this certain type of of uh of people in my life and you think it's because uh it, it, it you think that to do that you need to be a certain size you'll find that that when you get to that certain size that that is not in fact the case but if you really dig down deep and and recognize that there's other things that you can change in your life that may result in you getting to that size but it's really all of those other changes around that that is what attracts those those people to you or helps you find joy in um in living your life or joy in that journey through that process then then um then that's just so much it's just such a better way of of going in that direction yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely so when you're working mike when you're working with kind of so obviously when you're working with businesses you're working with whole staff yeah you're not just working with individuals is that right correct yeah yeah. So kind of what, what areas do you do you focus on or how do you just can you explain a little bit more about? Yeah, well, it's so aligned to, to you, Rebecca. So it made me smile when you, to you to you both. So it made me smile when you just said about, you know, we, and people would people that can't comprehend this when you first talk to them about it, because we're so used to being sold fast solutions. This is a big yeah. problem. Yes. This is a this is a separate conversation, but we're so marketed to that. There's a fast solution to everything that when somebody often presents a more a whole solution that's going to last people are a little bit baffled um and it for a lot of people it takes years of using these sh- quick fixes to the detriment to realize that they need something more substantial but even um, when they realize that it's difficult mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah because because we live in a men- we live in a, a society that teaches us that there's a quick fix to everything because that's what drives money uh, it's better marketing it's, it's not better it's easier marketing less ethical um much easier uh, i was talking about this the other day yeah sorry go on you don't go into you don't go into the supermarket in the i I, the same you you don't go into the supermarket and see buy one get one free apples you see buy one get one free crisp Mm -hmm. you know everything that's easier to sell is sold more and more and there's more emphasis put on it um you know we me me and my partner were quite hot on nutrition and she came back with a packet of biscuits the other day i was like why have you got those we don't we don't eat biscuits and i know there's nothing wrong with biscuits we just don't eat them because I will eat the whole packet if they're in the house. And um, she said, well, they were on offer, so I just bought them. I was like, but we, you know, she's been coaxed into that. But anyway, that's a, that's a separate conversation. But yeah, I you just... Watching, I, was watching, I was listening to a really great podcast with Danny Lennon, Sigma yeah. Nutrition. I know you know of him, Jeff, but if you yeah. don't mind, he's really worth following. He's, you know, he's, um, you know, evidence-based nutrition. He's yeah. brilliant. Um, and he, I was watching, listening to one of his podcasts recently that was talking exactly about um marketing and exactly how they really really get into our psyche and you know and this is what often makes it difficult for people to navigate the environment that we're living in especially when you kind of you know you've got all these this this these marketing messages coming in all the time and then you've got and not just on our tvs and everything we've got it coming from the government as well who are getting etc 
And then you combine that with this whole diet culture and then people think, and then all that happens is that people think that they're to blame, that people think that they're broken, that people think that they can't manage their nutrition, that they need this quick fix or they need somebody to fix them. And they don't, you know, it's so much, so, so many of the struggles that people are having are exactly that because of, yeah. I think think that's one of the most important, I know I've gone off your question, but I think this is one of the most important things that anybody and everybody can hear that struggle with their health, whether it's their nutrition, their exercise, their mental health, is that it's not their fault nine times out of 10. It's because we live in a society that actively encourages it. And and it's not a conspiracy theory. And we've done the data on this. It's it's an economy problem. You know, we... The stuff yes. that makes money generates yes. power. The, the government that gets voted in is supported by parties that get a lot of money from not wrong industries, but industries that are to the detriment of our health. I mean, the, the Apple, Apple, the Apple iPhone is one of the biggest products in the world. Now, there's lots of benefits to an iPhone, but there's also very bad mental health benefits. <laughs> wow, too. I was having this conversation last week. Yes, <laughs> but we, so so we live in for the first time in human history, really. I mean, I mean we've got it pretty good actually compared to, to, to the whole of human history. But in the fir- for the first time in human history, we live in a time where we're actively encouraged and marketed and influenced and uh, and promoted on a daily basis to to live unhealthy and to do things that don't contribute towards our health. So people need to like give themselves a bit of a break on that when they're beating themselves up and and saying that they're like, so people that eat too much, you know, they'll say, oh, it's my fault, I eat too much. You know, well, you're having very highly addictive food thrown in front of you and, and marketed to you heavily every single day. And you've maybe you've got a certain, certain type of genetic that means that you do like to eat a bit more, you're a bigger frame, but then you're being hijacked by marketing. That's not your fault. And you need to learn how to analyze that and understand it. You can't pay for people without walking NHS. past chocolate bars. <laughs> and then you've got an NHS system that will just turn around and say, just go and go and lose weight <laughs> you know just you know you need to lose weight your bmi is too high although there's talk of getting rid of that now isn't it you know and, and it's like it's not helpful it's like actually you know we need some it's about looking at exactly i'm clinically what. obese on the bmi say that again i'm obese on the bmi yeah, yeah exactly it's and then and then on the other end of the spectrum you know there are people and i know this was kind of brought into the media to the media's attention recently with the death of nikki graham but um you know there are people out there and i've experienced this and i experienced this on you know on a regular um basis where people are not getting the treatment that they need from the nhs when they're on the other end of the spectrum because you know they're suffering from eating disorders yet because their bmi is apparently healthy and because their blood work is okay they're not deemed as you know fitting the criteria to have to to have support, and it's just again, it's you know, it's it's not getting yeah, it's not getting deep enough, is it? It's not looking at what's actually going on, and again, it's that that social stigma of you need to be a certain weight, or you need to look a certain way, or you need to be you know engaging in you know in, in probably which is a misconception as well as that people that in eating disorders don't eat and things like that. And, you know, there's just so much stigma going around that, you know, people are not getting the support that they need. And then there is that then that responsibility of I, this is my problem. I need to do this. And, you know, there's I'm broken or something like that. Or then people don't think that they, there is anything wrong with them. So they don't think that, you know, that they need the support or the guidance that, that is necessary. If that makes sense, because there is, and when I say that, there are so many things that are just accepted as the norm. Yeah, it's like people will say, "Oh, I'm just greedy, so I eat x x amount." No, no one can do anything about that, and it's no. That's just you know, you know that kind of um, you know negative self talk yep. really isn't helpful, and that needs reframing. 
so I've gone off on a right tangent there. <laughs> it's, all tight, it's all tied in, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty, it's, I think it's worse in the US, but I don't want to speak for Jeff. Jeff lives there, so. Like the, the the marketing and the the poor quality food over there, and it, it's definitely different. I, I haven't spent a lot of time in the UK. I spent basically uh, four four or five days a couple of years ago uh, there, and it, it was there were definitely some differences. Uh, like for example, I, I noticed that there was fresh fruit and vegetables and fresh baked goods in your petrol stations, which mm-hmm. is. I was I was really excited about that because I love I love different kinds of breads and stuff like that. And so there there was definitely a different vibe at, at the at the uh, stores that I went into the grocery stores than than they are here, where you go into a, a gas station here and it's basically uh, cakes and you know prepackaged cakes and stuff like that. Not yeah. that you know it's particularly great where you are either, but okay. that, that was one of the things that stood out to me that there's a definite little bit of a different cultural. Uh, yeah. difference there but um i think we're probably pretty similar in a lot of the yeah. ways um, well I, I, mean, I mean i used to live in nepal for quite a long period of time in thailand and and this this the same problems are there you know then their mm-hmm. countries and their economies are completely different to ours but at the end of the day highly addictive processed food uh, lives on the shelf for longer it's addictive so it's easier to sell it's a higher profit so once you can get that into an economy it's it, there's going to be a lot of it um so so the same problems are prevalent in different countries all around the world as soon as as soon as that market gets in there um, yeah. we, we need a new approach because like rebecca talks about and you but you like you both talk about it's not about looking at these foods as the devil and being like i can't eat chocolate because it's got sugar in it it's processed or i can't have a packet of crisps whatever it might be but this it's about this go yeah, i'm sorry but i was going to say this is often where the the issue around things being addictive comes from as well but anyway go on con carry on mike yeah well i I do think i do think i do think they they can be addictive but i don't think it's the addictiveness of a packet of crisps or chocolate that's the issue i think it's the mass marketing and the it's a combination of things that just mean that it's you know not making time for the biggest thing that we do at they're happy really at the start is how to have businesses and their employees refocus their minds that you, you you need to prioritize your health and your happiness over everything else because in the U, in the UK and in the US we have this work hard mentality which is yeah. work hard achieve your goals be happy but we, people need to understand that it's focus on being happy and healthy which will make it easier for you to work hard which will mean you achieve your goals so we we tend to go about it in the wrong way and and most of us do not prioritize our, our health until it becomes an issue you know and, for a lot, I think I'm sure that you get this as well. A lot of the people you work with are coming to work with you because they've got to a point where it's an issue. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, now now I need to get this into a good place. And you're like, well, that's good, and we'll sort it out. But it would have been easier if you'd have been proactive with it. But most of us right. aren't because it's not our society to, to, to focus on that. Interesting. Matthew just said, so am I. I'm not sure what that was in reference to, Matthew. And um, if you wanted to, uh, did anybody know? We must have been talking about something. Yeah, I'm not sure. But if it's, yeah, um, if you wanted to expand on that, Matthew, but um, no, and I, you know, I was reading something yesterday and it was um, really interesting actually because it said something like, you know, ironically, when we have the least, you know, when, when we are least able to or when we have the least time to rest is when we need to do it the most. Yeah, it makes sense. And I was having a conversation with somebody actually was interested in my workshops recently and, and they were just saying about how. And and I get this. I've been there where they they felt anxious about not working 
yep. you know, every time they st- stopped and took a break, they would feel anxious about it. Or they would feel like when they got stuck into a piece of work, they couldn't stick to their time management schedule because they felt like they were having like periods of creativity or whatever. And again, there's another place where I've been where, you know, you have this, you block out some time to do some work and then you feel like it's flowing and you feel like you have, but sometimes, you know, doing that can lead to burnout as well because you end up just, you know, frazzling yourself out if you're not programming in those breaks. And especially in a society where we are clinically obese. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think. Yeah. I'm like less than 15% body fat and I'm clinically obese. Yeah. When I joined the military, I had yeah. to lose weight because because you join on BMI, so that's one of the health checks they do. So even though I was very oh. low body, couldn't, they couldn't they wouldn't let me in until I lost two kg. So I just had to reduce the food I was eating, which is fine. I was still yeah. healthy, but I'm like, can you not see the system is flawed? Yeah, I did the same when I got uh, life insurance a couple of years ago because I was renewing it to make sure that I was covered. My wife has some health issues, and I, I wanted to make sure that she was set well into my 70s. And so I, I got a term life policy, which means they they do a health screening. And, and at the time, my BMI would have made my rate outrageous. So I basically manipulated the scale. I, you know, I went on a cut, did a water cut, cut out yep. creatine to drop a few, you know, I did the whole thing mm-hmm. like to make weight essentially so that I got the, got the good sure rate. And I went back to them. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and again, though, I've heard of this, you know, I've heard about this. I've had clients that have been in similar situations and it's, you've got to be so, you know, okay, you dealt with that. Okay, Mike, but there are people out there that when they hear that message, that could really, you know, have some, you know, have, have a huge impact on somebody who maybe has struggling with eating, who has struggled with eating, or who is predisposed to to that, you know, and just hearing, because, you know, as we know, um, or, you know, I say as we know, but, you know, somebody who is predisposed, pre, this is one of the words I can't say. <laughs> somebody who has a predisposition you know it's you know there's a there's a a number of things that could happen and then there could just be that one trigger of you know your your bmi is too high to be able to participate in this or to be able to you know to to military like you say and then that could literally you know send somebody spiraling into um you know an unhealthy relationship with food and their body etc and these are things that are just like you say they're massive flaws in the system across the board you know, we're not just seeing it in the military, we're seeing it in the NHS, we're seeing it, you know, in the workplace, we're seeing it, you know, all over the place. And things things are not going to change overnight. They're really, really not. And I think no. you know, and I'm not silly enough to believe that. And I'm working with clients that get what I'm saying, but are still struggling because of the society that we're living in. Um, but I, think I don't we, think it will change very quickly at all. We did a yeah, we did an yeah. interesting presentation and we showed the the cost that poor nutrition was having on the new, on on the NHS, which is very high because a lot of our health conditions are related to low exercise, poor nutrition, uh, obesity, uh, not eating enough. You know, so the massive cost in the billions. And then we just to put it into context, we put how much profit there was in the soda industry mm-hmm. in the in the UK uh, in the same year, and just just soda, not the rest of the price, is more than the the cost that it has on. The NHS. So unfortunately, the, the the cost on our health service from poor health is nowhere near what we make from the stuff that creates that poor health. And that's mm-hmm. that's a, that's just an economic statistic that won't change. Yeah. Something fails a lot, and then we, the, it needs education from the bottom up. People need to be empowered. Yeah. We can rely heavily on society going. This is unethical. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why educate. This is why I'm so passionate about schools doing work with parents, yeah. all that kind of thing. I mean, it's great. I mean, I love working with 
you know, with my clients, my one-to-one clients, because again, though, so many of them are parents and the messages do filter down, which is great. And of course, they are also employers. So they've got employees and the messages filters down. I mean, it's great. I've got some, you know, some of my business owners who are asking me to do some well-being stuff with them, um, you know, with with their, you know, with their staff and stuff, which is great. So it's great to have that impact. But, um, you know, you are right. It's, It's not going to change overnight. And this is another reason why, um, you know, it, it comes. To, it's always going to come down to money. You know, and it's the same. It's not the same in every country in the world, but it's definitely kind of. You know, I know it's the same there in the US as well. And I think um, a capitalist society is. You know, I'm going into politics now, but is is a, a, a democracy is in theory freedom of market, freedom of choice, freedom of speech. And when the stuff that's unhealthy makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. it's going to have a. It's, that's going to impact society and. That's why the kind of things that you do where you educate people and we do, you know, you focus on you focus on the change from the bottom up. And that's in my opinion, that's the only way that it that it will change because you can't change it from the top down because there's too much money in it. There's too much money and bad health. There's been too many people making a good living. This is the other reason as well why, you know, kind of BMI again has come. But BMI has been used because it's a, you know, it's a much cheaper metric for for the nhs nh system to use isn't it um, yeah and 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 also as well kind of using bmi kind of blames the individual so it takes the onus off the government and their strategies and and etc so it's, it's much easier isn't it to kind of go okay let's just send people off on their merry way without really educating them or giving them i mean Anyway, this is a little bit off the topic what we're talking about, but I just want to talk about and because I wrote um, a blog on this yesterday actually, just to sh- wrote a little bit about IBS, and um, I just want to say that some time ago, I you know IBS is something um, that I struggle with, and I went to my doctor years ago, um, and because I was really really struggling, I mean to the point where I was in hospital with it. Yeah. My doctor, and you'll know, you know, this is he just gave me a low FODMAP food list and just sent me on my way, told me. That I was struggling with bloating because I had weak stomach muscles. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend any doctors that might be watching this. And I actually know some very good doctors, and I know there's I know, doctors yes. that have got a good attitude. But I, um, when we did that presentation, uh, I don't know if this is still accurate, but I, I think it's six years to do a master's to become a doctor, a doctorate. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but. I'm pretty sure that on that six years, uh, whilst you're going through university and stuff, you have the option of doing the option of doing a half day or a day on nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Bearing in mind how, how much of a, how much of an impact our health and nutrition has on our health, our doctors don't have to do it. They're, they're we call it healthcare, but you know we can go. It's, it's really sick care, isn't it? It's handling disease and handling illness as opposed to promoting good health, which is through nutrition and exercise a lot of the time. Yeah, I believe that the I, I believe the amount that they go through um it's typically in medical school this is currently and it it, it varies from school to school um and then again how much they they pursue it on their own but I believe it's about 15 hours of education on nutrition which yeah. is basically enough to give you a a rough guideline of how it works um yeah. but then they're looked to as as experts in that and and often the advice that's given is from an expert perspective which then people take and and and, yes. and there's so much misinformation in that area yeah and and that doesn't even take into account the behavioral aspects of nutrition and the impact of of one approach and and 
telling someone to go on a low calorie diet without much guidance or to to cut out sugar without any further coaching or guidance yeah. along along yeah. those lines and, and the impact that that could have on a person who may be borderline. Sugar, yeah, what does that mean? What do I, you know, am I allowed to exactly. eat fruit? You know, what it's people are confused. Are vegetables, are they, do they have sugar in them? Right. But yeah. again, and, and this is again, though, it's taken away the, you know, it's taken away a person's power. It's taken mm-hmm. away a person's autonomy when we don't, when we just say, okay, you need to do X, Y, Z without actually, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, guidance, et cetera, can be useful, of course, but once we understand the context of a person's life and, and, and what they're living with and what they're actually, their current behaviors, et cetera, at the moment. Because otherwise, if it's just like you said, Jeff, go on a low calorie diet, cut this out, do this, do that. It's like, oh God, you know, I, I all of a sudden got no idea about what I should be. I've got no, auto- my autonomy has been taken away. Yep. And then, you know, and it, it just becomes confusing and people completely do lose their way with it, don't they? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say like, you know, that there are, there are some fantastic people out there oh, yeah fantastic gps out there there are some fantastic you know but again it's it depends on their interest as well and it does depend on you know as to yeah, how a gp is going to have to have an active interest in preventative health to to be to be good in that area because they don't have to know that you know they don't have to know about nutrition they know they do 15 hours like jeff said yeah. they don't have to know about exercise they, they'll know they'll know a little bit but so they have to like make a conscious effort where it really should be part of the part of the program. We do need, we do need, you know, obviously GPs need to help us rule out um think you know, other things. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, and we're so lucky to 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 have access. So I mean the UK we've got the NHS, which is incredible. Um, you know, the the access we're so lucky to have access to 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 that and to the, to those people in that profession. Um, it's not me with the IBS, you know. I I went through. They did. I mean, to to be to give them their due, they did take send me for lots of different tests just to make sure, you know, it wasn't fun, you know it it wasn't you know IBD or Crohn's or anything like that. You know, I had to have all of that eliminated. They did that very well, which is what they should do, of course. But yeah. then, you know, I, I do feel that I should have maybe been referred on to a nutritionist at the time because this was before right. I did. Um, you know, I, it was before I knew trained, or I should have been, you know, rather than just being given, you know really quite woolly advice yeah but, um, I, um, I i had ibs when i was in the military which had a big impact on me uh, i had some more of a horrible symptoms as well so and i, I didn't know it had, had anything to do with nutrition but um i had i got ibs i used to sweat a lot which is a very strange symptom but i used to sweat i used to get sweaty hands sweaty feet um even when it was cold i'd, I'd have like sweat patches on my t-shirt and uh yeah so i'd go running i was a fit guy um but often i'd go for a run and i'd have to walk back because i'm trying not to explode from from a part you don't want to explode from uh to a point where obviously it was having a being quite detrimental to me being a soldier um when i did my army pt i i had to like load up on um i can't remember what they're called now the, the tablets that basically constipate you uh, because i knew i had such a bad stomach issue i'd get nervous about going on any of our exercises in case i had issues so i went i got to a point where i was i went to the doctor and they basically gave me the same kind of advice that rebecca just mentioned uh, and I went to see a nutritionist and they they suggested to me some supplements and some different things. Um, and then I traveled to Thailand when I was in the military and um, bearing, bearing in mind one of my symptoms of sweating a lot. And when I was in Thailand, I realized that I had a great time three weeks out there and I realized that all these symptoms disappeared, even the sweating, which is weird because I was in an extremely humid country. Um, and I felt really light like I didn't feel bloated and I could run and I never had any issues and I was like this is incredible so I got back to the UK and I was like why why is that why 
why why did I feel that way um when I was in Thailand why is something that I struggled with so long and for me I started to come to the conclusion that it was you know I was having no dairy um I'm not going to plug not having a dairy diet or anything like that but I I'd had no dairy um no bread because it's obviously like rice in Thailand so no no not, not a lot of gluten or anything but my point is I'm not saying that that's the diet anybody that people should be on but my point is is that what made me realize that was my epiphany that okay it is my nutrition I thought I had a I was a 20 year old lad I thought or 21 I thought I had some kind of disease that was making me have these symptoms and I, I didn't want to believe that it was nutrition um but I was eating processed food I was eating sandwiches I was eating good military food as well but I was eating a lot a lot of crap essentially uh and then yeah so I got back and I was like wow okay so then I started to reduce the amount of processed food I even like sandwiches from the shops I started to reduce uh, dairy I, I actually don't really touch dairy um and I started to really reduce the amount of bread I was eating and and all of these symptoms disappeared um and I've never suffered with them since really and that's my point is is that I that made me realize how powerful and impactful your nutrition can be on how you feel as an individual from the energy to symptoms you might have in your body and uh but nobody had ever really convinced me of the fact that it would be nutrition the doctor didn't talk about it. i did a few tests and then i realized the the power that, that the nutrition has on you what you're putting into your body which isn't surprising really yeah i would agree i mean that's that's something that that i know rebecca and i talk a lot about with with our, um, our our clients, it, what, taking even an intuitive eating approach, and a lot of it comes down to how does this food that you're eating make you feel? Yeah, exactly. yeah. And for some people, um, a, a, a bit higher gluten intake. You know, I I eat a, a significant amount of wheat product. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't bother me. But another, but my uh, my youngest daughter, she's 23. Uh, when she she doesn't have to cut gluten completely out. But she has significantly reduced it to where she's borderline gluten free. She doesn't yeah. worry about, you know, if there's cross contamination because she's not celiac or anything. But she finds she she in, through some experimentation, same with dairy. Is she used to drink a ton of milk and eat a lot of bread. And, and yeah. she reduced both of those areas to a significant point. And, and it cut down on those same kinds of IBS symptoms that, that she was having. And so yeah. now she'll still enjoy pizza because that yeah. has uh, gluten in it. But she knows that a steady diet of it for her doesn't work. Yeah. I'm the exact opposite. I mean, I eat it every day. I feel 100% yeah. fine. But again, it's that tuning in and, and being being aware of how these different things are impacting your body. And then yeah, which shows maybe, you that you can't have like a, this is, this is the program. This is the yeah. thing you eat and you'll feel great because yeah. like you just said your, your, your daughter is half of your genetics and you're both exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I think, um, yeah. And I think talking about obviously IBS, I mean, it, the thing with IBS, I do just want to point out though as well, it's, it's really complex. Yeah. You know, it, it really, really, really is. And obviously um, a lot of people can go, um, you know, obviously there is the, the, the FODMAP diet, which um, uh, often people can go on in a sh in the short term to try and kind of identify what is creating the symptoms. But usually as well, it, it's it's multifaceted. And this yeah. is what I spoke about in my blog yesterday. So you can do a process of looking at whether there are any foods. Because the thing is, is fundamentally FOD FODMAPs, they're kind of, they're, they're, they're short chain carbohydrates, basically, that are resistant to digestion. Yeah. And it's very often that they're found in different foods. So yeah. it's it's unlikely you, some people do obviously have intolerances to certain things, of course. Yep. But then, you know, when it comes to FODMAPs, it, it, it's quite difficult, isn't it? And you have to eliminate almost everything and then reintroduce it. But it should only be something. And this is what where my doctor kind of fell short. You know, I should have gone on a, a short term 
um, you know, elimination diet and then slowly reintroduced it. And I should have done this alongside journaling to see how it affected me, etc. But then I think one of the other big players in this as well, because, you know, people are very quick to kind of say, oh, you know, um, I need to cut out dairy and that will sort out my IBS. So I need to cut out gluten and that will sort yeah. out my IBS. Yep. But that's a very, very short-sighted yep. approach, I think. To take. And yep. I know that's not what you're saying, Mike. I know no, that. No, I know, yeah. yeah. My, but yeah. I think, you know, and stress, should, you know, stress, then there's things like stress that have a big impact on it yeah. as well. So it's, it, exactly I wasn't trying to, I hope any, if any people biggest, are listening. My biggest issue, my biggest <clears> issue was, was the stress and the anxiety. And yeah. that is what used to cause my flare-ups. Now, that in isolation isn't, because obviously, you know, it, it has got something to do with your diet and, and, and I'm not going to, you know, of course it has, but yeah. um, if you're not managing stress and it can obviously trigger those flare-ups, which yeah. then is really difficult to, to live with. Yeah, I'm not trying to um, oversimplify it to people. I don't want anybody to watch that and go, right, okay, I just need to go to Thailand <laughs> and not eat, drink. Yeah. No, I know that. But no, it, no. But my point is, is that it's, it's it nine times well nine times out of ten is my favorite statistic today uh it's it's heavily related to your nutrition obviously to your diet yeah. and if you're trying to avoid that then or, or you're being taught that you just need to take pills or whatever then that's probably probably not the right approach no. yeah it's about learning how how these different things in your life uh, whether it's food stress your job uh the the attitudes that you have how those things impact your your health and and being being aware of that and um would you say that you know early on um when we first started this you were talking about how the pandemic um had was not necessarily all negative and i would yeah. kind of agree with that i what, yeah. one of the things that i've seen it do is it's sort of brought to light certain areas in society and in our own lives that maybe we were ignoring before because yeah. um i think a lot of us use our jobs and and busyness in order to prevent, uh, in order to 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 prevent ourselves from having to deal with what's really at the root of um, things that we struggle with, I have a very close family member who um, had struggled with a number of different things, and then the pandemic pushed her literally pushed her over the top to where things that she'd been masking for years um, suddenly came to light, and yep. she finally went into therapy and now is doing so much better and dealing with uh, all of these root things that had been yeah. uh, really impacting her life. But it was that pandemic that actually it, you know, some people would see that as negative because it, it literally pushed her off a cliff, but that's where she needed to go in order to start dealing with these things that she had just been squashing down for years. And and I think it's probably done that for a lot of people in, in different ways. Some people, unfortunately, you know, it's, they didn't, end up dealing with it and and yeah, you know, cool. suicide rates increased yeah. and eating disorders have yeah. gone through the roof and yeah. so there's there are a lot of negatives but i think that that you know i i'm always a very optimistic person and, and kind of you know glass half full type person and so i do see that there have been some some positive things from from that um yeah, you have cool. push that it's caused ha have you seen that yourself too well, I, you know, that's really interesting that you said that because I, like I mentioned, I do some work with, uh, with changes, which is a, which is a recovery mm -hmm. business. So, um, sounds strange, but they basically, they, um, the, the, the government approach to recovery from addiction is go to meetings, um, methadone if you're on heroin mm -hmm. or, you know, there's, but they're not very good systems, but there's quite a low recovery rate. So changes actually have a different approach and they have an eight week uh, after detox, they have an eight-week um, recovery process where you go and live in a house, kind of like military, really, and you don't have your phone, and you live that you follow that eight-week program. 
Um, and but they, they're there by choice. They're not um, they're not being like chucked in there. These are people that are like got to a point where they're like, okay, I need I need this because my life's not going to improve without it. And it, I think one of the epiphanies that I have with these with the people there, you know, that that we talk to is very exactly what Jeff was just discussing, and that is that they they've gone to this place with addiction where it's taken them to rock bottom, you know, then they it's ruined, it's ruining their lives, taking a lot of good from their lives already. Many of them have like lost the kids on the, on the verge of losing their house, lost jobs on the verge of that. So it's taken a lot from them, but it's taken that for them to get to this place of rock bottom to then start to address all of the underlying roots of the problems of why these things are happening. Mm-hmm. And often they come out of this place a better, happier, more rounded person than they went in and before than they were before because they were just chugging through life with a lot of issues, but they could manage those issues and hide behind work and hide behind busyness and hide behind whatever. And I often say to them that I, you know, and I, I'm not, I've never had to go through it, so I don't, I'm not condescending, but I say to them, it's really interesting because I've got friends, many friends and family friends that aren't happy in their lives and they mask that behind busy work, stress, drinking every weekend and just kind of cruising through life, not very happy. And I think to a certain extent that these guys are in a better position because their brains won't accept that just cruising through life, you know, they, and that's why they go so heavy on the addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, because they just can't cope with the life that they're not happy in. But then that forces them to get to rock bottom and then they address all these issues and then they come out and thrive a lot of the time. You know, a lot of them do, do, um, get pulled back in and then address it but all the staff of this business have all been recovery through recovery themselves so it's peer-led business and they're so enriched in their lives and they've got so much meaning and purpose in what they do and they're so passionate and i'm like a lot of people don't have that a lot of people don't have what you guys have because you've been through this hard thing and addressed all of these issues so a long way around jeff i, I completely agree you know there are a lot of bad things and i know lots of people will, will highlight that and the suicides are terrible and people struggling with mental health and and lots of other, you know, bad things that happen that have happened due to COVID. But there's a lot of good as well. And a lot of the issues are that people have got more time, they're at home, they're quiet, and they're like, mm-hmm. these things that are here, these issues, whether it be nutrition, sleep, I don't know how, I think it all comes down to we just don't, we're not taught how to be happy, which is obviously why we do better happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but these well, things... These, told, it's because we're constantly told that when, you know, there's something we need to be striving for always, you know, it's just like, and that's, again, it's, 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 it's all the constant subliminal messages as well as yeah. you know, quite overt messages that we're receiving social media you yeah. know marketing all that kind of stuff and you know we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people we're yeah constantly- so depression depression in the uk there's a really good book called uh, the low serotonin society which is focused on the uk but it's pretty it's pretty similar around most of the world but it's, it's really interesting um i can't remember the guy's name which is embarrassing but he basically shows you how the the, the 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 levels of poor health and depression in the UK are directly correlated to the increase in mass marketing and our ability to compare ourselves to others. So the radio, it started with the radio. So we compared ourselves to people on the radio and even like the radio programs, every, the guys were tall, dark and handsome. The women would look the way they looked. They all had money. So we started to compare ourselves to them. But before that, we could compare ourselves to the people in our town. And yes. Don't feel bad when you do that because most people don't look like the people you see on TV. It's getting better. And then you had TV. So we start to see these people we can compare ourselves to. Um, and all of a sudden, you've got people thinking about like their body isn't right because it doesn't compare to that, which they'd never thought about before. And then you had th- the phones and the internet and wireless internet, and it's just exploded. Like the, the pool of people that we can compare ourselves to now is 
um, is is ridiculous. And that's and with every time that happens, the the levels of poor mental health go up because we're comparing ourselves to more people and the standard of people that we compare ourselves. I think Instagram is the worst because Instagram yeah. is full of women that are the one percent of women that look a certain way that have got huge boobs and massive bums and they don't train but they pretend that they do and they look that way and that's why and guys that are absolutely ripped and they drive around in lamborghinis that aren't their own and that's all you see you go on LinkedIn, and that's the main thing that gets pushed on you because because we like to look at nice things so that's what but then we end up thinking that's what we need to look like and exactly we need to have I have, this, I have I get my a lot of my clients my one-to-one clients my group clients to do kind of you know social media audits because you know and I'm mindful of this myself sometimes I used to be really you know I try and be careful but you know I think yeah because exactly you know the more that you are seeing images of, of unrealistic um you know in, well say images that are unrealistic basically yeah. um the more that it does kind of mess with mental health because it's like you think that it's something that you need to be striving towards and it, it's funny as well because I always say to my clients as well um you know rather than they tend to kind of focus on what they see to be the um you know the, the body ideal the the you know what society is said to be that whenever they're walking down the street and they'll compare themselves they'll always compare themselves to this beauty ideal whatever and I say whereas actually if you walk down the street and every instead of just honing in on that person that you think you need to compare yourself with hone in you know just just pay attention to every six or seven person that works walks past you you know and you'll begin to see the diversity you'll begin to see how many people there are that are just like you and how many people that there aren't just like you you know the world does not look like what you see on instagram that is less than one percent of the population of the world and that's why they're so we hone in on that that. even when we're out and about we hone in on that one person who looks amazing you know but she's that and it's like okay let's let's look at everybody and let's let's look at this through more, more objectively yeah we really, I think, I think it's so important. I think if you talk to somebody about nutrition and they throw a program at you that's telling you exactly what you should eat before they've even spoken to you and this, that, and that, then it's it it's it's built on rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it doesn't start with why do you want to do this? You know, what yeah. what's your goal? Why is why is that your goal? Um, you know, and it doesn't bring you to, to some level of well, does it matter how you feel? Is that a part of the goal? Like how much energy you've got each day? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it doesn't focus on that, then it's the wrong program. It's only going to have a short-lived impact on you. But they're easy to market, which is the problem. You put a guy or a girl on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it might be doing a bodybuilding pose and say, "Look like this in three weeks." Oh. You know, yeah, exactly. So, but then oh that, God, the neg- I, I was talking to somebody recently about one of my programs, and she was like, "I can't, you know, don't quite understand. You know, maybe in your marketing, you need to be doing more before and after photos, and maybe." And I'm like, "So you basically want me to lie to you? You basically want me not not lie to you, but you you want me to tell you that you're going to achieve this if you work with me? I can't tell you that, and I never will tell you that. Do you know what I mean?" From a marketing perspective, that's the best thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> not the most responsible thing to do. It, it is the best thing to do. But I mean, I will share testimonials, and occasionally, like I do have clients that will take photos of their progress over. Like I've got Vic, who recently shared some photos, but she's been working with me for over a year, and she has changed massively in terms of you know she she never used to. In terms of her mental health, I think, as you know, there's been such a massive shift. She's made huge changes in her behavior. She's a happier, more energetic, more yep. focused person. Now that, you know, and obviously then the weight has just come along 
with that. Does that yeah, make exactly. sense? Yeah, exactly. It's a byproduct of being healthy and happy. It has been a byproduct of that. And we spoke about this in our podcast this week as well, didn't we, Jeff? Because I mentioned about how people skirt around thinking about, you know, the weight loss or the weight gain. But what's actually going on behind that? You know, when when I have clients that lose weight and I'm like, okay, I, you know, we're not going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate what's got you there. We're going we're gonna to talk about, you know, how you got there, what's gone on, how did you achieve this, you know, and if it meant that, you know, you've been listening to your body better, if it meant that you've been moving more, if it meant that you've got more energy, etc., then fantastic, let's carry on like that. If it's meant that you've restricted and you're miserable and you're unhappy and you can't enjoy meals with your friends, then that's not something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bodybuilders, there's bodybuilders that I know that are very unhappy and unhealthy yeah. <laughs> but the impact the impact it has um can can be really unhealthy but the problem is is that people see that as see that as the epitome of good good nutrition and good health mm-hmm. but it but it's not really it's a sport it's an athletic sport i had um i shared this with you as well jeff if you remember i had um, there was one of my clients who was following a girl on instagram and she was um, she was like, oh, this girl was really inspiring me because she was she was working out, she was eating well, she was losing weight, she was looking amazing. But and then I think eventually this girl turned around and she said, I've got an eating disorder. I've been really struggling. All of this has triggered me. I'm really unhappy, and I just want you to know that you may be following me, being inspired, but don't because I'm incredibly unhappy. Yeah. I'm unhealthy. You know, I'm going to take. But you know, and that really struck my client as well because obviously she was following this person, thinking, oh wow, you know, this is amazing and. Yeah. Fair play to this person to come out. Honest, yeah, because she's helped the problem, not contributed to it by saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know. You really, really don't know what's going on behind closed doors for a person. I think is 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 such an important um, point to make. I think definitely. Um, so, Mike, I know, kind of, we've gone off on all sorts of different tangents, but I hope, um, yeah, yeah. I hope anybody who is watching, there hasn't really been any questions, which is a shame. But um, you know, if anybody is watching right now and does have a question or has a comment about anything we've spoken about or even if you're watching the replay then um please do just comment because we'd love we'd love to know and if you've been watching we'd love to know that you've been watching as well um but i guess what would your kind of number one tip be in order to live a happy and fulfilled life mike my number one tip would be be sensibly selfish prioritize your happiness over everything else and every decision you make whether that be what am I going to do at work today? You know, whatever it is, if you don't feel guilty about thinking about what's going to make you happy first, um, because that we're taught that that's wrong, that that's selfish, and that yeah. the, 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 the right thing, the, the kind of heroic thing to do is to look after everybody else, but you can't look after everybody else, whether that be your kids or your employees or your family, if you're unhealthy you and unhappy. Fine? And there's a really good book that's that was that was um, when it interviewed lots of people on their on their on, as they were dying, you know, and they knew they were dying, and the, without a doubt, the number one regret that people had was um w- w- was regret that they didn't do the things they wanted to do, that they worked too hard, that they um didn't look after themselves enough, they didn't spend enough time with their friends and family. So, I think when people do that, there's a really good book called The One Thing. I don't know if you've read that, but that's 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 basically a book that tells you what we, what you teach people. Um, in your program not not nutrition but prioritize yourself but it's all about that it's a really cool guy that american actually i can't remember his name either but yeah same thing he's like i used to just go in meetings first thing in the morning militant timings work hard work hard and then enjoy yourself at the weekend and then i just burnt out and changed it all and i 
Chet focused on me and his businesses took off and his life dramatically improved. So yeah. be sensibly selfish and prioritise your happiness. Yeah, brilliant. Love that. Um, absolutely love that. Have you got anything to add there, Jeff? No, I think we've had a great. I've really enjoyed this discussion. It's been, it's been a, a great, a great way. Actually, we we kind of steered away from uh, the specifics of nutrition, which yeah. you know, I, I with intuitive eating, you know, nutrition is kind of the last of the principle, and and yeah. and I know everybody takes a little bit different approach, but one of one of the things I think we can all agree on is that there's so much more to health and fitness and and nutrition than the food that we're eating. I mean, that's certainly an, a very important aspect, but yep. there's so much more to, uh, to happiness, to, fi- you know, finding uh, holistic health. And, uh, and, and so I think we've touched on a lot of those great points today, you know. Yeah. Often people are looking for more information, more nutrition information, more stuff to fill their head with when really they need to just take that step back and yeah almost apply some of the you know the buddhism principles in terms of you know what what really is going on for me right now and what is my body telling me because trust me it has all of the knowledge and that that you need we do we all know deep down within us we've all got the answers deep down within us um but you know it sometimes takes a little bit a a little bit a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. and commitment i think but you know fundamentally we'll come out much happier on the other end i believe yeah, which will make you live longer and give you more productivity. So exactly yeah. that. And anybody who wants to live longer, have more productivity and more energy. I'm doing my workshop this evening. It's going to um yeah, it's the first in a series of three that is actually going to be teaching you exactly how to start doing this. So if anybody's interested, drop me a message or just yeah. comment. Um I'll I'll put the link in the comments as well. Um eight o'clock tonight over Zoom. Um, so it would be great to see some more of you there. What about I saw one of my ex-military colleagues, Andy's uh, coming along to your workshop. I don't know if he's already been or he's coming to this new to, to the to the group that you're doing now. But a lad I used to be in the army with, who's out now as well, he's coming. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Nice. Great. Yeah, and make sure that uh, uh, if you aren't following Mike, you, you may want to go follow him. Uh, something we didn't even touch on today was he has this really cool uh, kind of approach to uh, shifting the way that you think of what managing. Uh, yeah. being a coach rather than a manager. And so obviously we don't have time to go into that here, but yeah. go check him out over there. I, I, I love that concept. And um, and, and I've always found point. that to be really beneficial in so many areas as it, rather than telling people what to do and, and that kind of thing, but coaching them. And, yeah. and yeah. so make sure you go follow him and, and pick up some of that info also. Thanks, That's Jeff. That's very kind. Yeah. One huge thing I learned as well in my, um, yeah, um, I did my leadership and management training in the day job and yeah so and it transfers into a lot of what I do now so mm-hmm. but yeah no it's a great approach we were talking about that before actually weren't we Jeff as well is there mm-hmm. anything you want to add there Jeff about what I mean Mike about what you're doing or anything um no I guess if I guess if there's um anybody that wants to chat about uh, improving health and happiness with your employees with your team if you've got a business of growing team and you want to talk about how you can work it into the workplace and I think the kind of People that listen to Rebecca and Jeff are, are, the, are the right kind of people because they're thinking about that stuff. So, yeah, if you've got a bit of a team and you want to Im- improve health and happiness in the workplace, don't hesitate just to drop me a message. We've got a scorecard that we do, which is really great that you can, we don't even have to talk to us and you can figure out where you're at at the moment and what things you might need to do. But that gives you a roadmap as well. So, feel free to drop me a message. Yep. Yeah.